keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time, and I'm excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about the depth chart and how we think the 49ers depth looks, and we're going to be discussing what order these guys are in. And not just our depth charts, personally. I'm talking the Cole, the Cutback Crew's depth chart, and by crew, not, not you, chat this time, specifically the two of us. Yeah. What we think this depth chart's going to be. We're going to probably have some differences somewhere, and we'll talk about those when we get there. So you will get a little bit of us in there and a little bit of uh, flexibility with the depth chart a little bit. But at the end of the day here, this is kind of a collective where we feel this group is and where this team is as a whole. Each of us are going to make little tiny sacrifices at certain positions. But hey, it's going to be an exciting episode, so make sure you smash that like button right now and hit that share button. Share it with the rest of the faithful out there so they can get a kind of an idea, at least from our perspective, of where this depth chart is and where everyone stacks. Yeah, exactly. Right now there's 90 men on the roster, so we're going to be going into exactly what the offensive side of the ball is going to look like for the 49ers going into training camp. This is the depth chart as of right now. Of course, this could change in training camp as we get into the regular season, but right now this is where we see it stacking out, how it's going to look, and there's a lot of fun things to talk about, and it starts with the quarterback position. We have to go there first because it's on everyone's mind all the time right now, and... I think me and you are actually going to agree on this position. So we'll go through these. But first off, we have the number one guy on the depth chart being Jimmy Garoppolo. <gasps> I know. So surprising and shocking. And some of you right now are probably going, what? No way. It's Trey Day all day. Er day. Right? We got five on it. It's it's Trey's time. Not quite yet. Um, at least not right now to start off the year. Yeah. Uh, that could very well change, right? Jimmy struggles. Jimmy gets hurt. Anything like that happens. And this could very quickly become the Trey Day, Trey Show. 24-7, 365, all, all Trey area all the time, right? That very well could be the case. But at this point in time, at this moment, it is very obvious based on recent comments from Shanahan, his conversations with McVay, that Flying Coach podcast, uh, is, this is Jimmy's team. Mm-hmm. This is Jimmy's team right now. They have complete faith and confidence. And even Sean McVay feels that Jimmy is, is the guy and can be the guy. It's just availability. Uh, so unless something happens to Jimmy, this is going to be his show and his, his job this year. Um, and that just means that a guy like Trey is going to be the number two option. And you know what? That's pretty gosh darn good for this team. It is. And I think Trey is a very close number two. Yeah. I don't think that there is a gap between these guys. I think he's right there on his heels. He's in his hip pocket. He's waiting for any sort of a slip up. Uh, and Jimmy knows he's there. And so Jimmy's going to make sure that he plays loose and free and plays at the top of his ability because he knows that Trey is there. And Trey just has to pick up this offense. He really does. I mean, he just has to learn the ins and outs and get a mastery of this offense. And once he does, he will ascend to one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But right now, it's it's too early to do that. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy at one. Then we have Trey Lance at two, which you alluded to. And then at three, there becomes another battle because there's two quarterbacks that really have talent but have never showed anything that would make you think that these guys are ultimately – Going to be big time players in the NFL, or even stick with, in the league. Yeah, stick in, in the league in the very long. Years. So um, we had a little bit of discussion, and we have decided that we believe Nate Sudfeld will, is the third guy right now. We follow the money, two hundred fifty thousand dollars signing bonus, and then 
the Rosen one brings up the rear at four. Not chosen in this podcast, in this room with, with us two here. Uh, look, most of you, if you're, if you're a day one cutback guy, right, you've been here, guy, girl, you know, if you've been here since day one, you know our feelings on Josh Rosen. Yeah. Ever since they brought him in. Um, nothing has changed here. True. And nothing has happened to cause a change. So yeah. uh, until we get into training camp and can see Sudfeld in the system and Rosen in the system, actually physically see them in the system and see how they perform, this is what it is. I, I feel that both of them have gifts that they bring to the table, both of them have the strong arms, right? I think Sudfeld is a little bit better at the, mo- the mobility aspect and be able to move the pocket. And I think that right now gives him an edge up over Josh Rosen. Um, also, he doesn't have the bad, the same amount of bad tape as Josh Rosen. So for me, it's like an unknown versus unknown when it comes to Josh Rosen. You know the things he can do well, but you also know the things he can do really, really poorly. Nate Sudfeld, you kind of just see what his some of his weaknesses are in the very minimal amount of game film that he has, but you don't, you're not quite sure yet if there's anything more or if there's anything less or if you know what we've seen is what we're gonna get. So it's one of those things right now where it's like I'm willing to, I'm willing to roll with the thing that we know less about than what I do know about Josh Rosen. Yeah. Especially since you and I both agree. If Trey or Jimmy is not on the field, this offense is pretty much... Oh, yeah. It's, it's not going to be good. No. I mean, you're right. Josh Rosen it hasn't proven anything. He does have more talent than Nate Sudfeld. Correct. But none of that has showed up on the field. Um, so until it does, why, why would you put this guy ahead of, of Sudfeld? Sudfeld was on an active roster last year. Uh, Rosen wasn't until... All hell broke loose, and the 49ers didn't have anyone else, um, so they brought him off a of practice squad. So right now, training camp, he could definitely change that mo- that our mindset on that. Um, but right now, he's definitely number four. Oh yeah, it's it's a safe it's a safe number four for the both of us. Oh yeah. Um, and now we go to a room that again, there's a lot of discussion about, and a there lot is. of things going on with this room. Um, and that's the running back room. Yep. Because you got all all the fans right now getting real hype and high on the Trey Sermon train. They definitely are. Right? And, and you know, Tyler Menton kind of turned it on for us in terms of, like, maybe not opening our – we all know how good Trey Sermon yeah. is. He already, we already know those things. But hearing the way that Tyler talked about him and the, the fact that he thought there was a shift coming in the run game, and it seems this that this is now the, the case, right, that the downhill – vertical run game not the horizontal offense but the vertical offense is starting to become a thing now in san francisco um and so if that's the case then trey sermon could very well be the guy but as of right now we both feel that raheem mostert is still rb1 in san francisco trey sermon obviously is going to have an opportunity to take over that role but as of right now it's raheem mostert's job to lose raheem mostert can take to the house on any single play it's true raheem mostert has proven that he can shine in the biggest of games you know when the spotlight's on he's he's playing the best it's all about health with him, and now that they've got a deep running back group, he's going to get the carries that he needs to stay healthy, but to also shine in a big way. He's going to be out there blowing it up, and there's still nobody that does an outside zone like Raheem Mostert. Um, the dynamic outside sweeps last year that we saw uh, not only against Arizona, but especially against the Jets, where he got to the corner and it was a house call on the first play. There's not very many NFL running backs that can do that. And so you need him there because the whole shot thing is a real thing that people have to worry about. But you do sprinkle in now. I mean, everyone knows number two is Trey Sermon. And you have to sprinkle in the fact that now he can run the inside and outside zone. And he gives you an attitude of running inside with great vision and jump cuts. Um, This is going to be a nice one-two punch for the 49ers. I do see a little bit more of a gap than some people do. I know we talked about Trey Lance having no gap between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. He's right there on his hip pocket. I see a little bit of a gap. Because Trey Sermon is still going to have to 
adapt his game to the NFL. He can do it. He will get better and better as the season goes on, and he will make a lot of plays. So those two guys are a nice one-two punch. Oh, no, I, I agree with you there, right? Th- those two guys, Mostert Sermon right now, one-two, one-A, one-B, really, because, I mean, we all know how Kyle Shanahan likes to run his offense. He likes having a little bit of a committee going on. You know, he doesn't want to have to rely too heavily on one guy. Um, and think back to the that 2019 season before Mostert broke out, really, it was Breida and Coleman that were dealing that 1A, 1B thing until Breida kind of went down and then started having some uh, bumbling issues and yeah. some other problems. Uh, and then Raheem Mostert t- stepped in, took over, and really just seized control of that running back room. And now you got him with, with the young guy in Sermon. And right after that, just behind the, the two of them, and, and I wouldn't say that he's like real super close, but this is definitely a guy that is reliable. And again, a guy that's going to fit this new vertical type of look for this run game. Wayne Gallman, mm-hmm. who adds a lot of great vision, great jump cuts, especially right up the middle and running inside. Um, this is a guy who's going to be able to also catch out of the backfield as well, can do really well in goal line situations. Um, he's not the same type of physical runner as a Jeff Wilson, but he is a nice change of pace from Trey Sermon and for Raheem Mostert. Mostert, the speed, Sermon, the power, the vision, right? And like the, just the physicality that he's going to run with. And then you got Gallman, who's kind of that hybrid between the two of them. It's a nice little one-two-three combination until a guy like Jeff Wilson gets back, uh, and then you're going to have a nice power combo between him and Sermon, uh, and then the speed aspect as well with with Raheem Mostert. This running back room, by the time we get to Week Ten of the season, is going to be lights out. And if this O line is still healthy too, my goodness gracious! But I really like this Wayne Gallman addition. As, and as of right now, I think he's he has a secure spot so long he doesn't seed ground to these younger undrafted guys in the late round guy, Mitchell. Yeah, Wayne Goldman is somebody that I'm getting higher and higher on the more I watch him. Uh, to me, he is going to push these guys to get a lot of carries. I think, you know, we're talking about Trey Sermon getting massive carries. I know we've had people on that tell us Trey Sermon is going to get massive carries. I'm telling you he's not because I think Wayne Goldman is going to get some of those carries because this dude is a legit player and he is very good on the inside running and he can run the outside zone as well. The vision that it takes to be able to see the cutback and go with it, he can do it very well. He's able to read blocks. He knows how to run. Now he's going to be running behind one of the best fullbacks in the NFL, and he's going to have great blocking from not only two of the best running tackles in the league, but now you add Alex Mack pulling the trigger on this blocking scheme. It's going to be 100% fun to watch. Wayne Gallman is going to ascend. There's no way we're going to be able to keep Wayne Gallman off the field. He's going to get carries. He's going to dominate in preseason. You watch when this guy gets out there and he starts tearing it up. People are going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, and that's why I think it's going to be harder for some of the other running backs that are on this roster to make the team because I think Gallman is actually going to take this run game to another level that we didn't get to see in the future or in the past. And I think that right now the one, two, three punch that you just brought up is better than 2019, which is hard to say. They've changed their, their thought process, though, from being all whole shot guys with speed. Everyone was super fast. Coleman was fast. Breida was fast. You know, Mostert's fast. Everything is fast. Now it's not just fast, but guys who are powerful runners. So we have the one guy that can just do it all, and he can go take it to the house. And we have two guys that can, they might get ran down, but they're going to get 30, 40 yards on a carry. And that's what I really like to see. I, I like the addition of Gallman. I think it was a nice move. And let's not forget, too, that they got this guy, Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell, that they just drafted, who is shown <clears throat> that when the weight's off, the speed's there. Yeah. And he runs with power. Mm. So this is a guy that's a mix of both things, right? He's he's already got – he's not it's not Raheem Mostert levels of speed, but it's just a little bit less than what Raheem Mostert yeah. shows. But he adds the physicality. He adds the balance as a runner. Arm tackles aren't going to bring this guy down. If you're not able to wrap this guy up in space and he's able to get the second level untouched, 
he could make some big plays as well on top of the the added addition of him being a pass catcher out of the backfield which he does really really well we're talking right now Wayne Gallman give this give Elijah Mitchell some time give yeah. him some time because if you do this guy could blow up in this offense Kyle Shanahan is like this offense Kyle Shanahan's offense is the perfect fit for this running back and the things that he could eventually develop and become into. He's got to get comfortable in the system. He's got to improve a few things, um, but he's already got some of the basic stuff down. Balance, contact balance as a runner, right? The physicality, the speed, pass catching. That makes him already a dynamic threat in this offense that knows how to utilize people in a variety of different ways. Like we saw Jermichael Hasty last year come out and one of his first snaps, motion out of the backfield, line up wide and run a route. Yeah. This is a guy who can do all of those things as well. He's a little bit bigger back than Hasty, a little more more uh, more speed than Hasty. Right now, he has the edge over Jermichael Hasty. He kind of slides in at that fourth running back spot at the moment. Yeah, if you took Jarek McKinnon and you took Wilson, Jeff Wilson, and you put them together, you would have Elijah Mitchell. Um, he's very similar to what they do, but he does it, you know, in one body. You don't need two backs to do what he does because he can do it by himself. You're right in the passing game, and he's going to excel. Um, I don't know what kind of role he's going to have as a rookie, and that's why he comes in at number four, because there's just going to be so many carries in front of him that he's not going to get a lot of looks. I think he'll get some, and the 49ers, will, you get to engage him, his speed and his explosiveness. Um, what I do like is that unlike when we had Brita, he would get tackled by you know arm or anything like that, unless he completely juked you. This guy can run through that. This guy is physical. Um, more of the Gallman and Trey Sermon mold as far as the way he runs. Not that quite that physical, but... Close to. Closer, yeah. Yeah, so I really like him a lot. I think he – and also I like that he's a slasher. He's a one-cut, go, get upfield. Those are great for the zone scheme. Um, if, as long as he can learn to trust Juice, which I think they're all going to learn to trust him, read his numbers and then make your cut off of that, you're always going to be okay. These guys are going to be very successful running behind him. I think he will have a limited role this year, but in the future, he, he his role is going to expand. Him and Trey Sermon are the future of this run game. And it's in good hands, uh, especially anytime they have Bobby Turner, Kyle Shanahan, and Mike McDaniel pulling the strings. It's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good trio of uh, coaching minds there, coming up with uh, fantastical run schemes. It is, and you got Forrester as the offensive line coach now, which is a great move. This dude is an animal as far as coaching offensive line. Yeah, and that, the, and we all know the O line right now is one of the better O line running run blocking offensive lines in the league with two of the two of the best run blocking tackles in all of football. Uh, Add that with with Forrester now, and uh, we're going to see how great this run game can be. It could take a whole. That's what I mean. It's crazy to think that the running back room and this running back group could take another step. Yeah, that's that's insane to think because they've been so good for the last few years. They could be even better than they were in 2019. Poor Green Bay. Yeah, poor Green Bay in Week Three. You guys better figure it out before then. And poor Jermichael Hasty having yeah, to come in at number five right now on the depth chart because of the guys that are ahead of him and. He's not a bad back. This is just one of those rooms that is unbelievable for the 49ers. The deepest running back room, in my opinion, in the NFL, um, with now the best scheme in the, as running you know, in the league. Oh, it's going to be hard for Hasty to crack it. He has an opportunity. He'll get his opportunities in preseason. I like what he does. He can do all the things that Jarek McKinnon can do. Um, but I just don't know if he can crack the code with the way that the 49ers have put people in front of him he's, and built this room. He's just missing one like one characteristic. If he was a little bit bigger and a little more physical, he'd have a better a better shot. If he was a little bit quicker, he'd have a better shot. He's not the fastest guy. Yeah. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest, most physical runner. He's just somewhere kind of in the middle of all of it. And 
that's fine because it makes him a very diverse back because he's not reliant on one thing to make him successful. The problem is the guys in front of him do one of those things great. Like yeah. really, really good. And it just makes it such an uphill climb for a guy like him. Don't get me wrong. Could pr prove everybody wrong, right? Could have worked on some stuff in the offseason. Foot speed's better. Vision's better. Maybe he's a little more physical as a runner. All those things could still be true and he could blow everyone's mind. But it's going to be a battle. It's going to be an uphill climb. By no means whatsoever is this guy guaranteed a roster spot. And by no means whatsoever is this guy a surefire going to be running back three in this room. He has a lot, a lot of work to do. The things he's going to have to excel at is vision, timing on his cuts. I mean, that's where he's going to have to tear it up. If he has the right vision and he's reading the holes, he can has an, he has an opportunity to make this team. If he doesn't and he runs into defenders and he runs into blockers like he did sometimes last year, um, he's not going to be able to make this roster because those other guys are elite at certain things, like Sermon, you said. Yeah, Sermon's not going to do that. Goldman's not going to do that. I, I wouldn't think so, no. So we'll see what happens. You got yeah. you got yourself a climb here, Mr. Hasty. We're rooting for you. We, we are we rooting like for you. you. We do like you. Fortnite's cutback is a big fan of Michael yeah. Hasty. Uh, and now we're on to the wide receiver room, and this is where I think you and I are going to start having some differences of opinions yeah. on this because each of us has a favorite wideout. Um, and this is an actual depth chart, folks. So this is – last time we talked about the wide receivers, we told you don't pay any mind to the, the, to the order. Yeah. You need to pay mind to the order now. The, the order matters. Um, wide receiver one for me is Brandon Ayuk. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because of the, the things in the pass game that he adds that aren't the, short, the short, shorter yardage stuff the intermediate stuff, the deep ball, things of that nature. I know Debo does all of those things, uh, but Brandon Ayuk, I feel, does them better right now. And that's the part of the game that's the most important for me for this 49ers pass game going forward mm -hmm. is the vertical aspect, being able to push the ball a little bit more downfield. I think Ayuk opens it up more for this offense. I think he's better at it than Debo right now. Don't get me wrong. Debo is just as important. I have to put one first. I have to put Ayuk first for me. Yeah. But for me, it's like 1A. 1A and one little A. Yeah. Right, with Debo Samuel. Uh, but Ant, where do you fall on this? Who is your wide receiver one? Well, I think you you said it. You said Brandon Ayuk is better for the pass game. And you might be right. But Debo Samuel is better for the offense because he can do both. Um, <laughs> True. And I like guys that you can use as with a lot of creativity. And the way that the dynamic ways he changes the game. I mean, think about some of the big plays that we, we think about even in 2019 were reverses to Debo um, last year, outside zones to Debo. Those are big plays, but then you still think about the time he's juggling the ball as he's getting hit, catching the ball, going out of bounds, the deep one in Baltimore. Yep. There are lots of times when Debo Samuel makes plays where he where he's the best at, because I haven't seen Brandon Ayuk do it yet, is catching the ball over the middle and taking it to the house. We haven't seen Brandon Ayuk do that yet, and right now with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, Debo Samuel's the, the most prevalent weapon because of the things he does well match up with what Jimmy Garoppolo does well. Fair. Do I think Brandon Ayuk is a great receiver? He's going to keep ascending. Absolutely. I think he's going to present matchup problems all over the place. I just think right now, after one season, that Debo Samuel changes this offense in a way that Brandon Ayuk can't yet. But I think Brandon Ayuk will continue to ascend. And I hate putting these guys um, and, you know, one in 1A and 1B and all that stuff. I would really just look at these two guys as two guys you want on the field at the same time all the time because they have skill sets that you can use and utilize. Um, this is like when you had Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Mm -hmm. um, you have guys that can do different things, and they did a lot of different things with those guys. And cool. so I don't think that Kyle Shanahan actually looks at these guys as, oh, we got this guy one and this guy two. I think he looks at it like we got these two weapons that we're going to use. 
And that's how I view it. But if I had to choose, I need Debo Samuel on the field at all times because he opens up this offense in a different way than anyone else. Hey, I, you're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong yeah. in any front there whatsoever. Uh, having both of those guys on the field is important. Making sure you have at least one of them on the field at all times for me is is valuable. It's it's there's nothing more important than that. Um, you know, Ayuk I, doesn't add the physicality with those fly right. sweep actions and those outside zone stuff. They've done stuff like that with him in the past, but it's more of to get him to the edge and try and get around the defense. Whereas Debo, you can get him the ball, and if they try and set the edge, he can power up inside and bowl through three guys to get yeah. to the end zone, and he's done that plenty of times as well. So each of them add a different dynamic, and each of those, I think, I think we both agree, each of those dynamics are extremely important to this offense. Right. But I would agree with you right now, Debo Samuel's dynamic is more important because there's really not anyone else in the roster who can do it. And that's partially because the next guy that we both believe is wide receiver three yeah. hasn't been healthy because Jalen Hurd, th- this guy is for us right now is solidified at number three. I don't think it's close. No, it's not. Uh, Jalen Hurd is by far number three. And I know we're going to hear, Oh, well he's been hurt. He hasn't proven anything. I'm going to tell you this. It doesn't matter. This happens all the time with injuries. You have guys that suffer injuries early in their career and then they never get hurt again. Um, this is just something that happens. John Lynch has talked about this before, but the aspects that Jalen Hurd can add to this offense, because he does what Debo Samuel does, but at a 6'5", 230 pound frame, um, he is, he will be physical. He will play strong. I know people are saying Jalen Hurd don't play physical. That is really hard to tell somebody that's in their DNA. That's how are you going to tell George Kittle not to play physical? You're not going to tell Debo Samuel don't play physical. You want these guys to play physical because the physical aspect of their game is what makes these guys impressive. The things, though, that D- that Jalen Hurd can do with the ball in his hands are almost unmatched. I think Debo is the closest guy to him, but Debo doesn't have legit running back skills like Jalen Hurd does. So running the outside zone with Debo Samuel looks really good. He gets you five, six yards. Jalen Hurd can take it to the house. That is that is how dynamic he is. And we've already talked about the personnel groupings. But I think adding the six foot five, two hundred thirty pound frame in the power slot to go along with Debo and Brian Ayuk is the perfect combination of talent that you want on the field. You sprinkle in George Kittle and then one of these running backs, and you have just a plethora of possibilities for Kyle Shanahan to use and utilize. And that's what we need. This guy's going to add big time to the offense. I can't wait to get my fourteen jersey. I'm excited too. It's going to look look real clean. Yes, very clean indeed. Um, yeah, no, everything you just said about Jalen Hurd is not only accurate, uh, it, it's what's going to take this offense to the next level. This guy being healthy, the things you can do with this guy on the field, there's nothing like it. No, no team in the league can emulate this, this aspect of this dynamic of this offense. When you got Debo out there, you got Ayuk, you got Kittle, you got Hurd, there's just too many options. There's too many different ways that we can attack you. And that's what makes him wide receiver number three is he does fully open up the playbook. Mm-hmm. The thing we always laugh about, like joking about, right? Open, open up, up the, the playbook, playbook coach. coach. <laughs> With Jalen Hurl on the field, the playbook is completely open because yeah. you can run anything that you want at any given time, even if you're in a five wide receiver set. Um, and that's what makes him so special, makes him so unique, and what's going to take this offense to the next level because it's going to be completely unpredictable. And you never have an instance now where you don't have somebody that can do what him and Debo can do. Oh, yeah. If they're both playing and somebody needs to come off the field, for a break, you have the other one to continue to make the defense worry and still have that aspect in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He doesn't have to scrap a little bit of the playbook because Debo's not in because you have Jalen Hurd. And that is something that is definitely needed. As a play caller, you look over and you're missing a guy and it's like, oh, I can't run these things. You don't, you're not able to be as creative as you would like to be and attack the defense like you would like. 
now that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, it's the same thing with the quarterback room. That's why they made the move that they did, right? You don't want to be hamstringed as a coach where you can't do certain things, can't make certain types of play calls, can't do things that you've maybe game planned for or prepped for all year long. You want to be able to have every option available. Jalen Hurd makes that, makes that the case and makes it so for this wide receiver room. And the guy after that has had a lot of success too. And this is the guy we both have at four. It's Muhammad Sanu. He's had a lot of success in a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's going to be a little bit different than it was when it was in Atlanta. Because in Atlanta, there was the intermediate short stuff, a little bit of the possession stuff in there. But he could still take the top off the defense mm-hmm. and still stretch the field. Coming off the Achilles injury, he's going to be he's going to have a little bit of his speed back, but it's never going to be back to the same. So he's going to take a step back in that role, in that regard. But potentially could slide into that Kendrick Bourne type of possession receiver he can still get it open in space he showed flashes last year at the end of the year with the Detroit Lions he's now even closer to being back to full strength and away from that Achilles injury so I'm excited to see what he adds they've been raving about him so far in OTAs and things of that nature getting him in he's not going to have a big learning curve with this offense he's going to know terminology he's going to know scheme he's going to know route concepts all those things are down pat for him now it's just producing yeah and you've seen Emmanuel Sanders speed go away when he had the ACL that's what you've seen from this guy. His speed is just not there, but he still has the ability to get open. He still has the ability to use his body to shield himself to catch the ball. He's experienced, and sometimes experience is exactly what you need, especially when you got a young receiving core like this. Yes, they are all aging well, and they're all learning, and they learn from Emmanuel Sanders and all that, but it's nice to have a grizzled young veteran like this guy. Grizzled. Yeah, on, on the field and playing. I, I like Muhammad Sanu in, in the type of role that he will be. It's like we've talked about before. If he's wide receiver four through six, you're very happy with your wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Um, he can go out there and make key first downs, big-time plays, a red zone threat. Um, plus, he's a good blocker. All those things fit well in what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. He catches the ball on the run without losing any speed. The one question will be, are you going to catch the ball for 12 yards and get tackled, or are you going to be able to get it to 20? I don't know if the yak is going to be there like it has in the past, but that's okay. That's not what we need from him. Um, and I think he does put pressure on some of the other guys that do similar things to him because he does know the ins and outs, and he's very crafty with his routes. Um, so he can get open. He has a little bit better press release and stuff like that than some of the other guys. So I, I do like him, especially in that number four slot. Oh, I agree with you there. I think that's why he kind of falls into that, that number four slot. He's a wily little veteran. Yeah. He's not going away anytime soon. Um, and that's why I think we have this next guy at five. Um, for all the reasons that Sanu, what's going to make Sanu great in this offense is knowing it already. It's the same thing that goes, the same thing is the case for Travis Benjamin. Yeah. He knows the system. All of those things are still true, but he still has the speed. Yeah. His issue has not been, it has not been injuries. It's been system fit. Everywhere he's been outside of with Kyle Shanahan, it just hasn't worked out. Um, and and the Chargers was probably like the worst place for him to go because you had Phillip Rivers. And as much as I love Phillip Rivers in terms of the competitiveness and the competitive fire and just the just the way he plays is mean about everything all the time, I love that about him because he was just the perennial bad guy constantly. Um, he really struggled pushing the ball consistently downfield. Yeah. And that's Travis Benjamin's game. That's his go-to, is being able to stretch the field vertically. However, Kyle Shanahan has shown that that's not the only thing he can do. And Kyle Shanahan has done a great job with guys like this. Taylor Gabriel was another one that had a lot of success in Atlanta in the Kyle Shanahan system, similar type of over-the-top type of guy, take the top off the defense. But Taylor Gabriel also had a lot of intermediate short routes that he was able to take house or break for big plays because Shanahan's a schemer and he knows how to scheme guys and get them into the right positions and situations. Travis Benjamin is going to benefit from being for being back in a Kyle Shanahan-led system, knowing the system already, 
And being a guy who knows how to work in this league, grind in this league, get open at the wide receiver position, you put all those things together and it slots him ahead of a guy like Richie James who's really only had one breakout game in the league, and that's about it. Yeah, and the way that Travis Benjamin was used in LA was completely just a whole shot guy. He wasn't used in the intermediate routes, which this is how Travis Benjamin will be used for the 49ers. He'll be able to catch these you know, slants and stuff over the middle and then be able to use his elite speed to take it to the house. Has his speed fell off? Maybe. But he's got fresh legs. He didn't play last year. True. So this guy's going to be out there, and he's going to be causing problems for other teams. I can't wait until Kyle Shanahan uses him. Um, he's going to be a more dynamic version of Trent Taylor in this offense to be like able to that. operate in short space. Um, and then get the ball and make plays. and that's, I, that's a fair comparison. Yeah. And then he'll still have the whole shots. We've seen what he did with Goodwin, mm-hmm. you know, getting him down the field, and, and those those plays will be there. It's just now you've, once again, you've morphed what you were getting from two guys into one guy because you had Trent Taylor that could only operate in the short area. He couldn't get down the field. And then you had Goodwin that could only go over the top. He couldn't really operate, you know, over the middle. He would get destroyed. Now you have Benjamin that can do both. It just makes sense for me. Kyle Shanahan's worked with him. Kyle Shanahan's not going to bring you in if he doesn't think you have an opportunity to you know, make plays for his team, and I think that's why he brought him in. 100%. That's why he brought him in, and I, in all honesty, I think Kyle was kind of glad maybe he opted out last year to let Ayuk develop a little bit more, yeah. see if there was anything really with Kendrick Bourne there that you really love, and now you get the opportunity to move on from Kendrick Bourne and roll with Travis Benjamin. Um, and Richie James got his opportunity last year, and that's why he kind of slides in right here at six for us. Yeah. It's because he had his opportunity. Um, he had one really great game, and we're like, all right, maybe this is the emergence, right? Kyle talked about how much he's loved Richie James, his work ethic, all of his things, and then he got hurt and completely fell off the face of the earth, and it is what it is. Richie James gets nicked up too much. He does. It seems every year he's got some sort of nagging injury, especially coming out of training camp. Um, I mean, I think 2019 he started on the field and he actually made a play in Tampa Bay. He did. Um, he had the touchdown down he the sideline. Uh, but you see that he kind of falls off, right? He just has flashes. Um, we need more consistency from Richie James. If we were getting consistency from his position, we wouldn't be bringing in Travis Benjamin and some of these guys. We would have him slated higher up. He would be in the four area because he's one of our guys that knows our system and that Kyle could be able to use, you know, the right way. We wouldn't need to bring these other guys in, but he hasn't reach that level he's not consistent and when you're not consistent you have to find people that are um so richie is somebody that i don't think has lived up to the billing as far as what they say he's going to be or what he could be um so right now at number six i think that's fair yeah i I agree with you there um and Jawan jennings is the guy we're slotting in at seven uh, and he's got a little bit of a gap there to cover because sanu is the guy he's going to be competing with to get on the field and get snaps and get opportunities to play so he's got a little bit of a ways to go because sanu we have slotted at four jennings there at seven and the reason for Jennings at seven is the the raving about him in OTAs right now. He's looked really solid. It looks like he's changed a lot of things and improved a lot. Um, he just needs to keep making those improvements. He's never going to be a, a barn burner speed guy. He's never going to be a take the top off the, the defense guy. But he could be a really good possession guy. He could be a really good red zone guy. Um, the hands are always the question with Juwan Jennings. Can he catch the ball consistently? Can he make the tough contested catches? Because when you're not a speed burner, if you're not a crafty route runner, that means pretty much every catch in space is going to be contested yeah. with a guy in or around you making it uncomfortable. So if he can show that he can make those types of catches, he can make a living in the NFL. Even if he can't create a lot of separation, if you can make the difficult catch. But very rarely do you see that out of a seventh round pick. That's just not something that happens. If Travis Benjamin beats out Richie James, uh, Richie James will have a, a problem with Jawan Jennings and the fact that Jawan Jennings is going to be a dynamite blocker. Yes. So if you start worried about you're worried about the run game consistently, Jawan Jennings is a better option out there. That is one of the areas where he can make the team. 
you're right about the physicality. He, if he catches the ball, I brought this up before in our wide receiver episode. If he catches the ball on third and eight at this, you know, six yards down the field, he's getting the first down. He's not going to get stopped. Those are the areas where he can excel and have an opportunity to make the team. Uh, he is a straight dog. Um, I love the way he plays. I love the physicality. I love how he catches the ball. I think he's really good. I think that this is closer than people think. I agree with you. I think he's right there on the verge of making this roster. I would not be shocked, ultimately, if he makes this roster. I'm not breaking down our top 53 right now. What I am doing is saying that this guy is a close seventh. I think he's right there on the fringe of making this team. And I think actually four, five, six, and seven are real close to each other. That's fair. I, I agree with you there. I don't think there's a lot of separation. Um, but the guy he's competing with is four. It's not it's not six or it's not it's not five or six. It depends on what you're going mm-hmm. with as far as you know, what you want from your quarterback, what you're looking for as far as position. Fair. Because there's no guarantee if you keep Travis Benjamin that you're going to keep keep Richie James. James. Or if you keep Richie James, you're going to keep a Travis Benjamin because they do similar things. Um, Yes, Muhammad Sanu and Jawan Jennings do similar things. But doesn't mean you can't have two of those guys because you're talking about Jawan Jennings will also be a dynamite on special teams. This guy could fly down there and hit people. What did he say? If I'm not a receiver, I'm playing safety. That's what John Lynch told him. So that is that is the kind of thing that you're looking at. This guy is just a football player. You want football players on the field. And when it comes to special teams, that might be an option as well. He could get out there and, and dominate and make the team that way. Very well could be the case. Um, after after number seven, this is where the drop-off becomes, we'll go nice here, noticeable. Yeah. It's a noticeable drop-off. Right, it's not like a, a gradual decline. It's it's a nice steep cliff yeah. drop, and that's okay because that's going to happen with every roster. And I'm glad to see that it's at seven and not at like three. Agreed. Right, we're happy about that. Uh, we have slotting in at number eight, Fowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, Sherfield, Kevin White, River Craycraft, and then Austin Watkins. Um, all those guys add a little bit different to the list in terms of where they fall and where they're at. Uh, Fowler has shown a lot more in-game than the rest of these guys, and that's why we kind of have him up there. Yeah, um, He definitely could be a possessions t- type of guy, and he may be a guy that they end up stashing in the practice squad in case there's emergency at wide receivers because, you know, sometimes injuries hit, even though I know, Ant, I know, we know, they're going to stay healthy this year, the whole year. Yep. Um, Trent Schofield after that, and that's because he's been on an active roster and played football the last few years. Neither one of us thinks great. Well, special teams as well. Mostly special teams. Yeah. That's where he's had his biggest impact on the field. Yes. Um, and that's a role that every team needs. So he very well could carve out a role for himself on this team that's just special teams, uh, but he's also going to have to show or demonstrate an understanding of the offense and the ability to get open in order for that to be his path to the yes. roster. It's going to be hard for him yeah. to beat out some of these guys ahead of him. Uh, he's more of a, a catch the ball, secure the ball, and fall forward for two yards. Um, he is not – yeah, he's not some guy that's going to make big plays – so, to me, he's not dynamic enough to make this roster. I think they brought him in in case something happens. You have a legitimate guy that you're familiar with that plays special teams. But, yeah, I'm not too high on him uh, compared to – actually like Fowler a lot more than him. Yes. Um, but I think they both add aspects. And when you're building a team, you have to have guys that do different things a lot of times. Um, so, he does different things than some of the other guys because of how he excels on special teams. It's fair. It's fair, 100%. Uh, after that, Mr. Kevin White. Um, and the reason for Kevin White here at this spot is – he hasn't really done much. I mean, no. the only reason he got called up last year for the, the games that he was on there before the injury was we had nobody else. Yeah, Everyone was basically down with an injury. Um, this is a guy who has all the potential in the world, but at this point, it looks like it was just potential because it hasn't converted or changed into anything. In our wide receiver breakdown, you saw us talk about him a little bit and the issues with him in creating separation on routes. 
And this is supposed to be a speed guy. It's supposed to be a speed wide receiver who can take the top off the defense. And every deep route that I saw, there's no separation. Yeah. And if it's a deep comeback route, corners don't respect his ability to get over the top. And so they're able to sit on the comeback. Yeah. They're not turning and opening up. They're just running with him. Um, and that's an issue. That's an issue if that's supposed to be your whole game, is being able to take the top off the defense. Because that can that can take away some of your route running issues. If you have the speed to push vertically, get guys to turn up field or run, and then stop on a dime and come back to the football. Because they're trying to keep up with you rather than being able to press and run with you. Um, so he's got to show that there's the health is back and he's good, or you know this this his time in the NFL could be winding winding down here. I think his role is going to change. I don't think they're going to use him as a vertical threat. I no. think they're going to use him as a power slot, which means he's going to have to compete with Muhammad Sanu, Jawan Jennings, Jalen Hurd, those guys. Um, and he is not on their level as far as talent right now from what we've seen in the NFL. Does he have more <clears throat> talent than all of them currently? Everyone except Hurd? Yes, he does. Um, but talent hasn't crossed over onto the field and what he does. So between those white lines, he's not on their level. I am always curious about a guy with his size, with his athletic ability. Maybe they can catch it, you know, a genie in a bottle and just catch that moment and go out there and do something. So it'll be fun to watch him in preseason and see Absolutely. how he does. I was excited to watch him last year when he got in the one game, but he barely got in. He barely ran any routes um, because I do want to see that separation. I want to see somebody try to match up a safety on him or a nickel corner where he's a definite mismatch. And let's see how he operates. Uh, he still struggles a little bit sinking his hips when he's going to make his cuts. Um, I just, I think so that, do I, so do I though. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's something he needs to work on, but we'll see how much being in the 49ers organization for one year has improved his route running, uh, because we know Kyle Shanahan is a stickler for that kind of stuff. And if that creates separation, Dante Pettis knows all about that. That's why he's in the doghouse <laughs> still, even after he got traded. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, look, last two, right. For the wide receiver group, River Craycraft, Mr. Austin Watkins. Yeah. Some of you might be going. How in the world could you have River Craig? Because he's played in the league. He's been on the roster. He's actually caught a touchdown pass. Like he's he's actually done things in the league. I know it's crazy and surprising. Watkins hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, he's got to show something if he wants to move up this roster and up this depth chart. I saw a couple posts this week in some fan groups talking about how Austin Watkins is going to shock everybody and make this roster. Let's slow your roll there, big guy. This this guy's got to do something first. Something because listen, he had a, a a one really good year at UAB, and that's about it. Other than that, he's had some mediocre seasons. He has the name brand, right? He's got a, He's got an NFL lineage a little bit there. So there's that aspect to him, and maybe the athleticism is there, and, and all those things could translate, but it's got to happen first, mm. right? All he is right now is potential and possibility. If he's going to have an opportunity. He's going to get his chance to go out there and show he can do something, but don't expect this guy to make this roster. I don't expect this guy right now to be ahead of River Craycraft in any way, shape, or form. River Craycraft is really going to be kind of his mentor, I think, coming in. He's going to be the guy that's going to spend a lot of time with this young, undrafted rookie, teaching him the ins and outs of the league, how to grind, how to work, what to be doing, because River Craycraft has found a way every year to be on a roster, a practice squad, playing in games, keeping himself around in the league. When a lot of people, including myself, when we brought him in, who? Who is this? Why? River? That's a crazy name. That's a cool name. Cool, awesome. But, but what is he going to do for us? And then you watch him and it's like, okay, he can do some things. But you don't want River Craycraft to be a guy that you're relying on. And right now, if you're the 49ers, you don't want Austin Watkins to be a guy you're relying on because you know nothing about what he his potential and what his ceiling is. Yeah, I think people are getting a little out there with Austin Watkins because I've seen it too. I've even seen Watkins mentioned as the number three receiver for the 49ers. 
Um, it's a hot take to me because I, I don't see it when I watch film. It's a scolding take. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I Overall, I like him. I know he didn't play with a good quarterback at UAB, um, but we've talked about these guys before. He's a possession guy, catches the ball, you know, and gets a few yards after the catch, but nothing dynamic. Um, I think we have more talented guys that do the same thing. Muhammad Sanu has proven he can do it in this league. Jawan Jennings was a seventh-round pick, um, and he did it in the SEC. So I think that Watkins has great hands. That's that's a good part of it. But we saw Diomedor Lenore completely stuff him. That's a smaller man getting him. I seen him working on his press releases. I'm but, glad. But, I love the but grind. They weren't supposed to be playing physical, right? Yeah. That's why Austin Watkins knew they were playing physical, and he's six foot freaking two. You know, two hundred and eighteen pounds. He needs to just throw him out of the way. But he didn't because he didn't have good leverage. He came off high. Didn't know how to get his body in the right positions. Um, there was no steps, you know, on his press. He wasn't doing two, two, one or anything like that. So he's going to struggle. I just don't see it for him. And River Craycraft, I've heard the whispers about River Craycraft, but if you actually thought that they were looking, I mean, Trent Taylor was a better option than River Craycraft. Um, and Trent Taylor was sitting out there and he ended up with the Bengals. So I think River Craycraft is a body that's going to be there that understands the system. He's going to come out and he's going to play in training camp in the preseason and then they're going to wave him. And maybe he'll end up on the practice squad. Who knows? Um, but I think Watkins and Craycraft are definitely looking up at everyone else. 100%. And they got a big, huge, gigantic mountain of a hill to climb there. It's, it's not going to be fun oh, for, for, sure. for either of them. Um, next up, the tight end room, which we all know. Yeah, this the, one's going to be the, somewhat easy. <clears throat> this is a really easy one because the people's tight end is at one, and it's not even a question. It's not close. No. Um, the shadow that George Kittle casts over this tight end room is so large that Ross Dwelly sometimes doesn't even know that he's like existing in space, mm -hmm. you know, because he can't see his own shadow because he's just Kittles is so massive and gigantic. Um, he just does everything for this offense. Blocking, check. Pass pro, pass pro, check. Hand the ball off to him on reverses and sweeps and things of that nature, check. Deep shots over the middle, check. Little out routes for 40 yard, 40 yard big plays at the end of games, check. You, you name it, George Kittle can do it. Sweet hair, sinks long putts at tight end university. I mean, God, this guy's an Adonis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to get into. You pretty much said it. Um, George Kittle is the number one tight end. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling people how great Kittle is. I'm pretty sure they have a good idea. You can just go to the merch shop and buy the the, the George Kittle-inspired shirt, the People's Tight End shirt. Just go get that. that yeah. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, that, that's true. And our number two guy is, of course, Ross Dwelly. And I don't even think this one's close either. I no. think Dwelly is sitting comfortable at two, um, right? Be not right behind George Kittle, but um, Kittle. where the where the shadow ends, that's where that's where Dwelly begins. Um, and Ross Dwelly is done enough to secure himself the number two spot. And I think that is pretty much easily known. I mean, he he does everything pretty good. Yeah, and the, I think I think he would solidify himself a little bit better in my eyes if he could improve one aspect of his game, whether that's the run blocking, pass pro, or the receiving option. I think the easiest one for him to be able to fix and clean up is the run pro, the run blocking things, because the run blocking schemes and fits and him being a more physical run blocker is going to show up more on tape yeah. because of how prevalent the run game is in this offense. So he added the size. We'll see if it translates because his technique, I, I think we both feel his technique sound. So he added this, the strength this offseason. We'll see if it translates onto field into big burling disgusting blocks and if it does i'll feel a lot a lot better about dwelly at two um than i i would have at the end of last year yeah good hands average route running yeah fair yeah fair 100 fair uh the next guy and this is one that's going to be a little contested yeah because uh, i think some people are going to be like you know it's obvious who number three is 
And right now we think it's Charlie Warner. We do. And it's because of the the things that he potentially could add in this game. Um, he's still younger than than Mr. Pruitt. He's got a lot of things that he can still improve on. Uh, yes, route running concern, knowing what routes to run in OTAs and doing that incorrectly. Red flags, right? Red flags. But his whole mantra has been that he wanted to model himself after the kill aspect of the of the run game and being a, being a good run blocking tight end for this team. And we've seen flashes of that. He's not the most physically present, like dominant presence guy right now, but he does fight. Yeah. He does win blocks and he will at least stagnate defenders, right? Prevent them from getting to a spot which opens up holes and creates running opportunities and lanes for our running backs. And sometimes with this running back group, especially a guy like Mostert, right? Elijah Mitchell, that's all you need is just a lane. Because if you can get through that lane untouched or unscathed, you're going to break, break a bigger run than you would if, if you aren't able to shoot through that little hole in that little gap quickly so i think charlie warner has the edge up because i think he's a better blocking option right now for the 49ers than a michael pruitt i think michael pruitt is a slightly better route runner than him at the moment um and he's that's because he's had more time in the league to demonstrate that he's a slightly better route runner uh so charlie warner i just he just needs time whoever is the better blocker will be the number three tight end um out of those two guys but i think right now the 49ers want it to be warner they drafted him they invested in him uh he's been working out with george kittle so, yes, the, if, as long as he can come out and block, he's got a very good chance to make this team. I don't think they think he's going to blow the roof off the place with his receiving skills or his route running or anything like that. But um, I think that is a fair assessment that he is three, Michael Prude is four, and then Peterson is five. Yeah, fair. That, that, that's 100% fair. I'm looking forward to seeing what Josh Peterson could potentially add because he's got probably a little bit better receiving pedigree than the, the two guys we just talked about and listed. But again... The 49ers, the run game is extremely important. If Josh Peterson can show he can be an effective blocker for this tight end room, he very well could sneak into that spot. Yeah. But that's probably the weakest part of his game right now. That's true. So he's got a lot of things he's got to work on. That's very true. And a lot of things to improve. And it, from one easy room to another easy room, the fullbacks. Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk, then Josh Hockett. All right, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Kyle Juszczyk and then Josh Hockett. Way down, yeah. down the bench, <laughs> down the bench, Josh. Um, yeah, no, this is this is an easy one. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's one you don't have to spend a lot of time on. Y'all know, cutback crew. You know how we feel about Juice. Yeah, Juice is the man. He is the guy, and he's gonna be the guy in San Francisco for the next for the next few years. And we love that. Yeah. We love that about Juice. Uh, after that, though, the line. Yeah, and this is the last little bit that we're gonna hit here on this offensive breakdown of this depth chart, this pre-training camp depth chart. Uh, we'll start with the tackles, and we'll start with specifically with the left tackle, uh, because each of us shockingly have Trent William at one. Yeah, Trent Williams is this is a lock. I mean, once again, we don't have to talk. Everyone knows what all pro you know level tackles look like, and it literally is a picture of Trent Williams in the dictionary right now next to it. Yeah. He is the best left tackle in football. It says Trent Williams, aka the Silverback. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all it should be. Uh, after that, we have. McKivitz, Colton McKivitz, they're slotting in behind him. Yeah, I think we're looking at Colton McKivitz as the possible swing tackle, so he's gonna he's gonna be kind of backing up people. Um, and then I think on the outside looking in, you're talking about you know Jalen Moore. I think Jalen Moore might slot more into a guard, but at least right now he is a option, somebody that's played tackle. But Colton McKivitz is your guy right behind him. Oh, I agree with you there. Uh, right tackle on the other side, McGlinchey obviously is gonna slide in at one. And I know some people are gonna be, you know, I, I don't know why you would be upset. The 49ers fans, for whatever reason, are drinking the Thanos Kool-Aid 
and all on the Thanos train here that Mike McGlinchey is the worst thing in San Francisco and the worst member of this offensive line. And it's like this dude is the, like next to Trent Williams is the best run blocker in the league at the tackle position. He's the best right tackle right tackle at blocking for the run in the league, yes, period. It's not even close. No. I mean, it's it's him and then like 20 feet of, of duty and then the next guy. Yeah, it's, it's just the pass pro. But this guy is an elite run blocker. The pass pro will be better. When the run game is more successful, he will be more successful, guaranteed. Agreed with you. Agreed with you. Yeah. Who do you have slotting in just behind McGlinchey? Um, at, after McGlinchey, we're talking Coleman and Moore and, yeah. and, and Shepley. Those guys are all right there battling. I think that Coleman is in the battle for that swing tackle, so this could also be McKivitz. Mm-hmm. Um, McKivitz could be the swing tackle going, you know, whichever one goes. McKivitz can play right. I think he's more suited for right tackle. Agreed. Um, but they thought he could play left tackle. That's why it would make sense if he was backing up you know, um, Mr. Trent Williams, you know, and other thing to think about this in the back of our mind, if, if something happens where Brunskill is not a starting lineman, then he Brunskill 100% could play left or right tackle. And we know he can do it at a high level. Correct. But right now we have him at a couple other spots. So we, we do want to keep him off the tackle. We do. Oh, uh, but yeah, I think Coleman's got the edge up. He's been in the system a little bit longer. Yeah. And listen, I, I think both of us feel Jalen Moore could be pretty much whatever you need him to be. He could be swing tackle. He could be a guard. He can kind of play all over the place. But we have him kind of slotting in just behind Coleman right now because you haven't seen anything from him yet. And you don't know if he's going to translate better at a guard or a tackle spot in the league. We think he has the ability to play tackle in this league, but he's going to have to prove it. Agreed. So that's why right now he kind of falls in behind Coleman. And then Shepley is a guy most likely that's probably not even going to make the roster. He's on that back end right now. Could he show something? Maybe. But he's got to show something. And he's got a lot of ground to cover. He's better than people think. I think so, too. But Jalen Moore, they just spent draft capital on this. Oh, is, I'm this not is... saying he's going to beat out Jalen Moore. Yeah. I'm just saying he's going to make it hard for them to cut him. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I want him to. Yeah, me too. Because the better this team is and the harder it is to make decisions like that, the, the better off we're going to be. 100%. Agreed there. Agreed there. <clears throat> left guard and... Who's gonna Who's gonna be the first guy? The what? left guard. Ah, uh, Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, that's a good another one. guy that a lot of people don't really like. Sleeping on. Him, I, I don't get it. I, I actually like him. I think he's you know a top fifteen guard in the league. Um, he's consistent. He plays every single week, and I think he will excel this year with Trent Williams and Alex Mack um, surrounding him. And if he doesn't, then what everyone says is true. <sighs> that's true. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just the truth, right? Um, behind Lakin Tomlinson, we slotted in Jalen Moore. Yeah. Now, some of you might be like, wait, wait, what? I mean, you have him at three for the tackles. You have him at two at the guard. What about that uh, that other guy, Senio Calamete? And it's like, yeah, possibly. But I think right now Jalen Moore has an edge up because he has all of the athletic physical tools that they're looking for, right? They made the move for Banks at guard because they wanted a bigger body guy. Yeah. Jalen Moore is a bigger body guy, but he has all the athleticism of, of and footwork of a basketball type player. He started off as a basketball player. So the inside zone game, the power, he's going to have that. Being able to get up to second level, he's going to be able to do those things probably a little better than a guy like Senio Calamete right now. Well, and they, I think they probably grabbed Jalen Moore and, and Banks to play the guards eventually. So when you're looking into the future, you wanted to get bigger and physical uh, inside, and you did that. You did that 100%. <laughs> yeah. You 100% did. It's almost like this crazy thing going on where they're going to spend really good money on really good tackles and then have young, athletic, big-body guards on the inside to bully people. That's crazy. Yeah. That, it seems like there's a plan. I'll, I'll be honest. That, that is a scary offensive line moving forward. Yeah, especially if both guys develop. Oh, if both guys develop. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This team's set for years. Set for years, right? Uh, right guard after that. I know, folks. This is a big battle. 
Aaron Banks is being spammed right now down there in chat. We hear yeah. you, Cutback Crew. But as of right now, we're going to stick with our gun and what our gut has been. For pretty much the entire season, the entire offseason, yeah. even through the draft, we felt this way. Daniel Brunskill right now is number one on the depth chart. Yes, and I think this is super close. When I talked about Trey Lance and, and Jimmy Garoppolo being, you know, him being on the hip, I'm going to say this dude is like in Brunskill's hip. Like, it's a, I it's mean, a photo finish? It's a photo finish because I think Banks' physical skills and physical abilities are going to push, and he's super smart. He's going to be able to pick up this offense and get where he needs to go. Brunskill is going to have the battle of his lifetime to hold on to this job. I think I think at some point Banks might even take this in, oh, during the season. Yeah. But I think to start it, and right now with the depth chart the way it is, you put the rookie slotted in just behind Brunskill, but it's super close. I agree with you there. I, I Very well could be the case. And, and Aaron Banks, is I, he doesn't have the same hill to climb with some of these other rookies coming in to, in order to supersede the guy in front of him. Uh, he probably is the closest to superseding and surplanting the guy that's ahead of him oh, right yeah. now on the depth chart. This is going to be one of the more fun matchups to watch, and I can't wait to break this one, this specific matchup, down in more depth as we get closer to training camp. Yes, I 100% agree. This position is going to be fun. Those top two guys are really good. There are a couple of guys behind them, too, that we, you know, I think the main one is Tom Compton. Yeah. You know, he had those games last year where he he started and played, and he's used to Kyle Shanahan's system. True. But he's definitely slotted in at number three now, a nice veteran who could also play left guard if needed. So it's somebody nice, though, to have. I just don't think he's really higher up in anyone's mindset. Um, so right now he's slotted in at three. And that's that's fair right there. Yeah. Center position is next. Alex Mack, obviously the go-to. Um, right after Alex Mack as well, kind of a little little bit of a, a teaser. We have Daniel Brunskill we do. just behind him. Yeah, and that might be how Banks cracks the starting lineup. Also true. If something was to happen to Mack and Brunskill had to go over to center. Please, God. Please no. don't let it happen. But that would be another way that Banks. Also, another reason is if we had an injury at tackle or somebody nicked up, Brunskill could go play that position and then you could go ahead and go with Banks at guard. So those are options, but you're right. Brunskill played center last year. He's learning the position. He might, in fact, be the future center. of the center position yeah. for the 49ers. Um, so he's definitely slotted in at two, and he gives you a lot of flexibility. He can play any inside position or outside position. He is a jack of all trades. Yeah, and you know, you may be sitting there going, you guys just blew through Alex Mack. That's because it's not even close. No, it's, it's not. It's Alex Mack and... And you're just hoping to God that nothing happens because... Alex Mack, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, uh, Trent Williams. Why are... No even reason to have a conversation. No, not at all. And there's obviously guys on the defense that you would say the same thing about, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. One thing at a time. Um, man, I'll tell you what. This is a long one. It's a long episode. It was. A lot of names. It was. And we've only done half the roster. It's true. <laughs> we've still got so much to talk about. Uh, cutback crew, chat, let us know what you thought about these depth chart rankings pre-training camp down below in the comment section right away let us know about it who did we misplace who should be one at each position yep. we want to hear from you and while you're down there commenting away don't forget to like the video don't forget to share it with the rest of the 49ers faithful out there let them know about the 49ers cutback let them know about this great long fantastic content they want to be a part of this and don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell yeah and there's no way everyone's going to 100% agree with us. Correct. We didn't even agree with each other. It's true. Um, there were sacrifices. I, I bet you there's coaching staff that doesn't agree with each other. Uh, they will only agree at the end because Kyle Shannon will say, this is what it is. Him and John Lynch will decide what the 53 are, and then everyone will get on board. But 
Um, going in right now, this thing is completely fluid, but this offense is fantastic. We have a lot of great talent, a lot of good conversations. That's why it's a long episode, because when you're really getting into a 49ers roster, there is so much talent. You have to do it your due diligence and talk about a lot of these guys. It would it would be unfair not to bring them up and talk about them. So I'm, I'm glad we did. I'm glad. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, these are the conversations that are fun to have. And when we get into training camp, once the cuts start happening, things are going to change and these depth charts are going to change. And we'll see if we are right and these guys are ranked like this or if somebody came and blew everyone out of the water in camp and it completely changed. That's the fun part of football. It's extremely fun part of football. This is, the, this is the most fun for a fan right now is being able to take a look at the roster and try and predict and guess what's going on and just based on your gut, what you see, what, you, what you've seen from them, whether it's with this team, with another team, whatever it is in college, trying to piece it all together and, and try and formulate in your head what exactly the 49ers are doing, what exactly are they going to do, what moves are they going to make. There's so many options. There's still so many things that could still happen. Um, man, just needs to get here. It does. We're, we're almost there. And once it gets here, it's going to be fun because we're going to get to see these guys on the field. They're going to battle it out. There will be no more questions because it will be proven between the white lines where it should be proven. And that's what I'm looking forward to. There will be nothing left to prove. That is 100% sure. And you know what else? There's nothing left to prove here. You know you loved this content. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go to the merch store right now. Cop yourself some of this new 49ers Cutback merch and 49ers inspired stuff. You're going to love it. All of it's great. But until next time, 49ers fans, you stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.